Act Three of The Weaker Sex by Arthur Wing Pinero. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Third Act. The scene is the library at Mrs. Boyle Chewton's, as in the first act, the morning after Lady Gillingham's party. Mrs. Boyle Chewton enters from the garden with a bundle of flowers, which she surveys sentimentally. Flowers? I feel I have been a little oblivious of the beauty of flowers. This morning I seem to have learned their language. That little bunch is for me, and that little bunch is for Clarence. Sylvia enters in a pretty morning dress and garden hat. Good morning. How is Mamma? Oh, almost quite well, and laughing at herself for giving way to the heat last night. The heat? Then she hasn't told you of the strange... Stopping in confusion. Um. Not told me what, dear Mrs. Chewton? Of, of the strange sensations in her head. To herself. I forgot that Rhoda learned the affair by accident and that I am supposed to know nothing. She sits, arranging the flowers as Rhoda enters. Rhoda, sulkily. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, little one. Rhoda, angrily to herself. Oh, when I was a child I was treated like a woman. Now I seem to have suddenly become a baby. She sits at the table and takes up a newspaper. Mrs. Boyle Chewton hums a tune at which Rhoda stamps her foot and clutches the paper in a rage. Sylvia looks from one to the other, quite mystified. Mamma. To herself. Mamma never could sing. Mrs. Boyle Chewton continues humming unconsciously. Sylvia, quietly, to Rhoda. I am afraid I lost my temper last night and was very unkind. Will you forgive me? Oh, certainly, of course. Thank you. And now I'll say what I ought to have said when you told me about Mr. Bargus. I congratulate you with all my heart. Rhoda, looking towards her mother. Hush, be quiet. Don't you want me to congratulate you? Rhoda, under her breath. No, no, there's nothing to congratulate me upon. I mean... I... I... How is Lady Vavash this morning? Quite well. It was only the heat of the room. The heat of the room? Then you don't know... Mrs Boyle Chewton, who is now listening. Hush! Rhoda! Don't know what? Oh, nothing. Sylvia, looking from one to the other. Oh, I am afraid there is something you are keeping from me... You don't think Mama is really ill, do you? You would tell me if you thought so. Of course. Lady Vivash is in most excellent health. Why, look at her. Lady Vivash enters. Her face is pale, but otherwise she is quite herself. Good morning. Good, Good morning. morning. We are so glad you are better, Mary. Thank you. Till last night I had not fainted for years. It was very foolish of me. Did you... did you feel the heat? No, not particularly. 
Did you, Rhoda? Rhoda, with meaning, eyeing Lady Vivash. No, I was outside the room in which you fainted. Outside, by the window. By the window? Oh, of course it was cooler there. Yes, much cooler. Lady Vivash, to herself. She couldn't have heard. Mama, dear, come into the garden and watch for Mr. Lee. Mr. Lee? He said he would be here very early in the morning. He was so anxious about you. Do come. For a few minutes, darling. I must be very busy today. To Mrs. Boyle Chewton, as Sylvia runs up to the window. Edith, dear, what with Sylvia's return and, and the party last night and, and one thing and another... I have neglected the work which is so near to your heart and mine. But my mind shall never wander again, dear. Forgive me and let us make up for lost time today. Um, I don't feel very much inclined for work today. You not inclined to work? No. But we have a finance committee at four o'clock. Oh, bother the finance committee. Edith. Dudley enters quickly. Good morning. I'm a little early, Edith, but the fact is... You are fortunate. By being early, you stand a chance of meeting Clarence, Mr. Vargas. I'm on the lookout for him. Going to the window and looking out. Dudley to himself. Oh, if she knew only that the infant is now on the premises, waiting to tell her of the dreadful mistake he has made. Phew! And there she is, on the lookout for him. How can I break it? Lady Vivash comes to Dudley's side. Dudley. Are you better? Quite well. Dudley, Ira Lee, Philip Lister, is coming here this morning. I have thought over everything and I have decided. Dudley, the knowledge that he was once my lover must be kept from Sylvia. But, my dear Mary... Oh, where would be the good? It was years and years ago and is done with. The secret is quite our own. She loves him dearly. I know him to be a good man. Would you set me, her mother, up between them? Oh, it would be cruel. But is he sure his old affection is quite extinct, with a decent, respectable and heavy monument upon it? Sure. My Sylvia is what I was. Of course he loves her. And you, Mary, Sylvia's mother? She starts and trembles, and her eyes droop for a moment. I love only Sylvia. She joins Sylvia at the window. Mrs. Boyle Chewton, looking at the clock. Rhoda, didn't Mr. Barger say he would be here at ten o'clock? Oh, my, my dear Edith, that reminds me, um, Mr. Bargus is here. Here? And I'm not informed? Well, the fact is, my dear Edith, he's sitting in the committee room. Sitting in the committee room? He can't be a committee all by himself. No, he realises that. He will be all right in a minute. He is not well. I see it in your expression. Mr. Bargus is indisposed. Well, yes, 
That's it. Bargus is a little indisposed. Oh! He came to me very early this morning, before I was up, in fact, to, to make some explanations. And having had a bad night, he asked me to bring him along. A bad night? Oh dear, oh dear! She rings the bell. Stop, Edith. I think, I fancy he wishes to see you alone. Of course he does. Well, I must present him to Mary in this proper light. Mary! No, 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 no. I've something to tell you. I will have no secrets. Mr. Bargus and I have nothing to be ashamed of. Yes, you have. I mean, he has. Oh, wait, wait. Wait. I ought to have told Mary the first thing this morning. Mary! Oh, here it goes. Mary, you will be surprised to hear that Mr. Bargus and I are engaged to be married. Edith! Oh, Rhonda! Rhoda turns away with a cry of rage. It will take Mr. Bargus's eloquent tongue to tell you our reasons for changing our condition. But the cause, dear Mary, the great cause shall not suffer. Petch enters. Petch, Mr. Bargus is in the committee room. Beg him to come here. Petch goes out. Dudley to himself. Poor devil. What a muddle I've made of it. My dear Edith. Kissing her. I hope you will be very happy. And so do I, dear Mrs. Chewton, indeed. Oh, Rhonda has been having such fun with me. Oh. Yes, Rhonda told me last night that Mr. Bargus... Miss Vivash. Rhoda goes out into the garden as Petch enters. Mr. Bargus. Bargus enters. He is pale and dejected, with a wild look in his eyes, and his appearance generally disordered. Petch goes out. Oh, good morning. Mr. Bargus, I have just heard some news which gives me very great pleasure. Let me be among the first to congratulate you warmly. She takes his hand. Oh. Come, Sylvia, dear. Lady Vivash and Sylvia go out by the window. Mr. Silchester, why have you done this? I'm desperately sorry. Upon my soul, I am. Mrs. Boyle Chewton to Bargus. They tell me you are not well. Bargus shakes his head helplessly. She gives him the bunch of flowers. Those are for you. He takes them and sinks into a chair, she regarding him fondly. Mr. Silchester. My dear Edith, it is of no use to beat about the bush any further. The fact is, Mr. Bargus, who mistrusts his own strength of mind, has begged me to be his spokesman. Edith, Mr. Bargus continues to entertain the highest admiration, the most profound respect for you, but... 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 but what, Dudley? But he feels it due to himself and to you to say that the events of last night were based upon an entire misunderstanding. The events of last night? The... the proposal of marriage. The proposal of marriage? Mr. Bargus desires to withdraw it? Well, he places himself entirely in your hands. 
In point of fact, dear Edith, Mr. Bargus intended to propose for Rhoda. His expressions were ambiguous, and he thought he was doing so when he wasn't. Phew, I hope I make myself perfectly clear. Mrs. Boyle Chewton, after a slight pause. Quite, quite. So far as I'm concerned, the matter has been a momentary distraction. Nothing more. For Rhoda. Oh, yes, just so. Dudley, thank Mr. Bargus for his promptness. These mistakes are better corrected at the moment. It, It is an amusing error. Giving way. Oh, what a fool I've been. She sinks into a chair and sobs violently. Bargus rises, and Dudley energetically waves him towards the door. Go away. Don't say anything. Get out. Oh, I should like to say, before I go, that Mrs. Boylechewton's magnanimous behaviour under the present distressing circumstances increases my admiration for the generosity of her disposition. She is a noble woman. Get out. Many plans of atonement have suggested themselves to me during the lonely hours of an entirely sleepless night. One of them was to place all my worldly possessions at Miss Boylechewton's disposal for charitable distribution. In such a case, I should desire the Asylum for Idiots to participate largely. <laughs> Get out! I am about to act upon your suggestion. Good day. Uh, um, I desire to say, finally, that at half-past five this morning, I arrived at the conclusion that I am peculiarly unfitted for public life. Tomorrow I apply for the stewardship of the Chiltern Hundreds. Dudley moves towards the bell. Thank you. I'll let myself out. Uh, Mr. Silchester, I shall remain in town until Tuesday, in case you should desire to pursue the matter to a dreadful issue. Good morning. He goes out quietly. Oh, Dudley, take me to my room. I shall never hold up my head again. Yes, you will, tomorrow. I've been false to my principles. Well, well, everybody is. You can get some new ones. There's something wrong with us women. With all our struggles for equality, we are so weak, so incomplete. Of course you are. You'll never make one boot a pair if you polish it till doomsday. He takes her out as Sylvia's voice is heard outside. Sylvia. Appearing outside window. Remain there, Mama. I'll fetch your hat and a shawl. Running across to the door. I wish he would make haste. She runs out at the door as Rhoda enters by the window, watching her. She is not to know, then. Her little butterfly wings are not to be fluttered even with the knowledge that her sweetheart's love is very second-hand. Why should everything be so smooth for her and so rough for me? Why shouldn't I tell her the truth? Sylvia re-enters carrying a hat and shawl. Rhoda intercepting her. Sylvia? I, I must hurry with these to Mama. Look here. 
I want to speak to you. Don't you think it is time that you made people regard you as something better than a doll? Do you think that it is just that your mother and your friends should keep you ignorant of what concerns you more than anybody in the world? I am very happy. A great many things I dare say I don't know. If people love me or like me, that's all I want to know. But don't you want to know everything concerning the people you love? Say, for instance, the man you love. Are you speaking of Mr. Ira Lee? Who is Mr. Ira Lee? Mr. Philip Leicester. He bears two names, both good and honourable. You do know, then, all about him? All about him. I see. You are more a woman than I thought you. Your cloak, Sylvia, is not so much gossamer as good waterproof. They have taught you, I suppose, that you ought to be well satisfied with second-hand love when the lover is a poet. What... what do you mean? Your mother is waiting for her hat and shawl. Rhonda, tell me. There is nothing more to tell. You know that Mr. Lee Leicester had a sweetheart years ago. You know, I presume, who the lady was. Voila too. I thought you were too confiding, or I shouldn't have bothered you. Sylvia puts the hat and shawl upon the writing table, tremblingly. Ye, you are mistaken. They have told me nothing. Rhonda, what is it? Oh, I'd rather not tell you. You must, now. What is it? Promise to forget that it came from me if I do tell you. Never to mention my name. Yes, yes, I promise. Lady Vivash appears at window. Be quick. A sweetheart years ago. Who was she? I suppose the past tense applies. She is not dead, you know. Lady Vivash enters the room. Far away, then? No, indeed. Not near us, in our own country. Quite in our own country. Very near us. Who is she? <gasps> Lady Vivash utters a suppressed cry. I wonder you don't guess. Lady Vivash. Oh, no! Sylvia! Mother! Lady Vivash clasps Sylvia in her arms, but the girl slips from her and falls on her knees at her mother's feet, burying her face in her hands. Lady Vivash to Rhoda. Leave me with my child, please. Rhoda takes a step or two and moves her lips as if trying to speak, but her eyes meet Lady Vivash's, her head droops and she goes slowly and silently through the window and out of sight. Gossamer, look at me. She stoops and gently raises Sylvia. Look at me, dear, your mother. Is it true? Lady Vivash shrinks a little, then stands with her face averted, holding Sylvia's hand. Yes. Sylvia goes back with a faint cry, but Lady Vivash catches her in her arms and kisses her passionately. Oh, listen, listen, listen. It is strange, but nothing else. There is no need for you to give even a second thought to a foolish accident. 
the last weak thread in the remnant of the old past sylvia 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 sinks into a chair staring forward vacantly mother lady vivash kneels to sylvia taking her hands and clasping them tremblingly oh my darling my darling oh, don't look like that there is nothing in this accident that should trouble you he is yours heart and soul years and years ago he may have had a passing fancy but the girl he liked is now a rigid prosaic strong-minded creature whom some men laugh and cheer at you'll make me believe i've wronged you kiss me your poor mother your poor mother who would let you trample on her to save you a moment's pain my darling my darling i haven't heard the name of your boy lover till now philip lyster philip lyster you're right he was only a boy lover and love to a lad is a toy nothing more when he is tired of it he breaks it and flings it away you are loved by a man i see the reason he changed his life and his name to try to forget everything himself his love and he did forget he did forget yes but mother dear you have not forgotten lady vivash rising aghast sylvia do you think I don't remember the story of your love as you told it to me one day when you were in trouble, when you said to me, Sylvia, a woman's first love is her religion? Ah, I remember. I remember so well. Lady Vivash, sinking into a chair. Oh, my child, my child. Sylvia, going to Lady Vivash. Forgive me, mother. It is I who have brought trouble upon you not you upon me kneeling at her feet lady vivash sobs bitterly hush mother dear mother dear i was selfish ever to think of leaving you we'll never part dear we'll never part oh what have i done to you what have i done to you what have i done to you dudley enters Lady Vivash advancing to meet Dudley. Dudley. Here is Philip, Mary. Philip. The two women look at each other. Sylvia walks slowly to Lady Vivash, kisses her, and goes softly out at the window. Mary, Sylvia knows. Lady Vivash bows her head. Tell him to come to me. Dudley goes to the door and beckons to Lee, and then goes and stands outside the window as Lee enters. Lady Vivash. She knows. My child knows. Oh. Help me. Help me. Tell me how. Tell me. You do love her truly. You do. You do. I do. Then, by your love for that girl who has never known an unhappy moment until today, out of pity for the wretched woman who wounded you years ago. Ah, uh, Mary, hush. Yes, out of compassion for me, do your utmost to remove the sorrow which has fallen upon my child. 
Lee makes a despairing gesture. Ah, don't hesitate. Try, try to comprehend the position in which I am. It is no longer mother and daughter with Sylvia and myself. It is woman and woman. Oh, don't hesitate. What? What do you bid me do? Burying his face in his hands. Convince her that your love for her is the real love of your life. Declare to her that your old boyish infatuation was nothing but a flame which you smothered with a stamp of your foot. You must win back her trust and confidence. You must make her happy again. You hear me? You must. You must. And then, Lady Vyvash, what then? Is there no future to reckon for? Are there no ghosts to rise, no seeds of distrust to break their husks, spring up and bear fruit? What of the future? The future? Listen, Philip Lister, I love my child. She is all I live for now. But if I could know she was happy, I could be content to live out the rest of my life away from her, never to disturb her, never to break in upon her peace, never by a sight of my face to make her think. Oh, Lady Vyvash. You understand what I mean. If you can make her happy, I will go away from you both. The man she loves is more to a girl than the mother who loves her. And I will pay a mother's penalty. A little heavier than most mothers pay, but I will pay it to the full. Faintly clutching at the back of a chair, then recovering herself and holding out her hand to Lee. Philip Lister. Won't you help me? Lee, looking at her distractedly and irresolutely, then taking her hand. Yes, I will help you. <sighs> you will do your utmost. I will do my utmost. I promise. Oh, I thank you. Hush, hush. Yes, I thank you. I bless you. May I go and find Sylvia now? Yes, yes. Wait then, wait. Going slowly to the window and catching at the curtain, she sees the bracelet on her wrist. Then, turning to look at Lee, who stands staring forward, she removes the bracelet and creeps towards him. The bracelet. Lee looks up with a start and takes the bracelet which she hands him with averted face. Then she goes out. Lee, seeing Dudley outside. Dudley. Dudley approaches. Give me your hand. They grip hands. Old friend, say goodbye to me. Philip, what are you going to do? My utmost to heal the sorrow I have brought upon Mary and Sylvia. I have come into their lives to their cost. To my cost, I will go out of their lives today as if I had died at this very hour. Does Mary know? Not yet. Tell her, Dudley, that I have kept my promise, that I have done my utmost. Oh, Philip, is there no way but this? None. You know it, Dudley. Once my shadow is taken from the lives of these two women, there will be light again. I pray to time to do the rest. Time will bless some worthier men than I with Sylvia's sweet companionship, 
and then the first laugh from Sylvia's lips will wake Mary from her long dream. You will be near them still, Dudley. Always. Always. I'm too old a watchdog to know any voice but Mary's. They shake hands. God bless you. This is the only way. Bias his head on Dudley's shoulder. They are coming. Let me see them once more together. Let me see them when they know that I have gone. Tell them. Lee goes out at one window as Lady Vivash and Sylvia enter at another without seeing him. Dudley, Philip has something to tell Sylvia, which I want her to hear from his lips alone. Where is he? Let us find him. Come. Going towards the door. Dudley, stopping her. Mary, Sylvia. Dudley. I have some news to break to you. We shall see Philip no more. He has gone. Lady Vivash and Sylvia meet each other's eyes with a fixed look. Mary, Philip asks me to tell you that he has kept his promise. He has done his utmost. Lady Vivash goes to Sylvia and they tenderly embrace. Dudley goes to the window and looks out. Then Lee re-enters silently, looks at the two women, grips Dudley's hand, and disappears. The End End of Act 3 End of The Weaker Sex by Arthur Wing Pinero <laughs>